0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, of course, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and I hope you had a fantastic weekend as I did. It was uh, a weird time here in New England in terms of weather. It was warm, then it was cold, it was rainy, it was just all over the place. And right now, it's very gloomy and rainy. So a great day to stay in, catch up on some cleaning catch up on some shows or movies or whatever the hell you like to do for fun, or you can catch up on your Murph's Boston Sports Talk episodes or even your uh, YouTube videos of mine that I have put out there. So a small little plug there to the YouTube channel. But anyways, nonetheless, bullshit aside, hopefully you're having a great day and you're going to have a great week. Hopefully this episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk will kick off that week in an exceptional manner. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying. As always, I have to say it because I am ever so grateful. And the day that I don't, it's going to pain me because people are going to think that I am ungrateful. And that is not who I am. And that is not how I feel. So thank you, thank you for downloading, listening, and enjoying. Hopefully, this episode will be very informative, very discussion-generating, and also very interesting. Because I got a couple topics here. That I didn't think I would be talking about, but th- we have to talk about them because it's uh, very impetitive to Boston sports and no, it's not about the Celtics Very dull right now for them since they're eliminated from the playoffs and the playoffs are in full swing Not about the Bruins because they're eliminated from the playoffs and the playoffs for the NHL is in full swing We actually have a little bit of Patriots news But before we go into that i do want to give myself on social media a shout out if you want to reach out to me please do so on all social media platforms at murphs underscore boston st where the st stands for sports talk ran out of characters in the username handle so i had to settle for the little abbreviation there if you're watching here on youtube please leave a comment down below as i would greatly appreciate it and that is another great way for you to reach out to me but regardless if you're on youtube or listening on an audio only platform Spotify, Syncify, Apple, Google, Amazon, whatever it may be, reach out to me on social media and I hope you enjoy this episode. So, the topic revolving around the Patriots, and if you didn't notice or didn't hear that today, Monday, June 14th, starts the first day of mandatory minicamp, and there was some small discussion that a player would not attend or not report. And they didn't report, and I'm very surprised. And that is cornerback Stephon Gilmore doesn't report for New England Patriots' mandatory minicamp, sources say. Wow, wow, wow. So this is an article from Mike Reese, ESPN staff writer and Patriots uh, insider. And he says, New England Patriots cornerback Stephon Gilmore, the 2019 Defensive Player of the Year, did not report to mandatory minicamp that began Monday, a source confirmed. Gilmore could be making a statement about his contract as he is scheduled to earn a base salary of $7 million in 2021. The Patriots had advanced $4.5 million of Gilmore's 2021 salary to him last year, leading to this year's low figure. Gilmore, who turns 31 in September, is in the final year of a five-year, $65 million contract. He signed with the Patriots as an unrestricted free agent. In 2017, the deal included 4 million in injury guarantees and 31 million dollars fully guaranteed at signing. At the time, a contract with those guarantees and an average of 13 million dollars per season was viewed as a strong deal. Now pause real quick. Do we all remember when we signed Stefan Gilmore, we still had Malcolm Butler, and that was the year that was the year that we lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl and people were like, "You're giving Gilmore all this money when you're home" own homegrown malcolm butler is due for a contract at the end of this year no way bill belichick keeps them both no way he's going to pay them both because butler was going to demand big money as well and you go out and you give it to some buffalo bills cornerback who's good yes but like that is a massive contract for a bill belichick to hand out and b to give to someone that's not your own and obviously bill belichick not paying his own homegrown talent is a whole conversation and another can of worms for another day Continuing with the article, the cornerback market has since exploded with Jalen Ramsey of the Los Angeles Rams, topping it with a contract averaging $20 million per season. Acknowledging, that, uh, acknowledging they didn't have specifics of the situation, teammates noted Gilmore's absence in the locker room Monday, as well as on the practice field. Quote, I support my brother. I wish he was here, but I support him all the same, veteran safety Adrian Phillips said. What he has going, whenever he gets back here, he'll let you know how it went, End quote. Longtime captain Matthew Slater added, quote, That's a situation I don't want to get too far into because it's frankly none of my business. Obviously, you support all your teammates, whether they are here or not, End quote. Coach Bill Belichick deflected questions on Gilmore earlier Monday and wouldn't reveal whether he has given him or any player an excuse of absence. Players who don't report for mandatory minicamp can be fined up to $93.85. Don't know how that number gets made up. Which breaks down to $15,515 for the first missed day, $31,030 for the second missed day, and $46,540 for the third missed day. Gilmore partially tore his quad in a Week 15 loss last season, landing on injured reserve. The Boston Globe first reported Gilmore's absence. How does this make us feel as Patriots nation, as Patriots fans with high hopes this year, right? I mean, obviously after a abysmal 2020 season, which a lot of us expected, but it also took us by storm to have your best cornerback or arguably your best cornerback, right? I think JC Jackson would give you a run for that title to not report now. Oftentimes players won't report because they want that big contract signed. You see this oftentimes with running backs, right? You've seen it before. It is what it is. They on their rookie deal contract year. They don't want to take any chances of getting injured. They're not getting the big payday and the guaranteed money. So they hold out until that team re-signs them. Makes sense. You go from making a couple million dollars, you get this big deal, and then next thing you know you're a multi-millionaire tons of guaranteed money injury reserve money whatever maybe but see Stefan Gilmore has made that money we signed him to a five-year 65 million dollars contract back in 2017 and it's not like the Patriots a aren't paying him or b not paying him market value now for this year him only making seven million dollars is yes below market value although he had a down season last year he is still an upper echelon cornerback, but if you look deep into the numbers, we accelerated $4.5 million of his contract value this year to last year in 2020, so he was basically getting a uh, a pay raise for last year. He was also getting a massive pay bump because we were able to fit it under the salary cap, so it's not like the Patriots are screwing him out of any money. They just accelerated it to kind of make, you know, the books this year in terms of the financials and the salary cap a little bit easier because they had the space last year to do it. So it's not like the Patriots are underpaying him and not paying him, period. They are paying him. Actually, they advanced that money last year. And now that he's making $4.5 million less on that, you know, contract, making only $7 million instead of eleven point five, he's, you know. I think it's a very foolish move to make. I really do because Gilmore, yes, 2019 uh, NFL Defensive Defense Player of the Year, spectacular season, part of the Patriots Super Bowl winning season in 2019. I just don't think that this is a good move for him. He's 31 years old. He has a lot to prove, yes. He can still get a big contract, yes. But come on. I mean, you're coming off an injury. You're 31 years old. And you're still making market value if you look at the facts. And the fact is, 4.5 million dollars were accelerated to last year's uh, base value, so it's not there this year. Now I understand you want to make your money. You're 31. You're looking ahead. You got a wife. You got you got kids. I understand that. And then this next contract's more than likely going to be your last one, or at least your last big one. But coming off injury reserve, 31 years old you know, had a down season, went healthy. I just think, I mean, I understand ah, without repeating myself, I, I I understand where he's coming from, but this, this is not a good look. This really isn't a good look. How long is he going to, uh, you know, sit out for, is he going to suffer all that money? I just, mm. and then, you know, you see Devonte Adams over in green Bay, who's facing the same situation. Well, similar where, you know, he's got a big payday coming up and he's not sitting out because he earned every dollar of you know his contract that he's making and he's not gonna give any of it up. So he's gonna earn that next big contract, and I completely agree with that. Now obviously players will sit out because they don't want to get injured, a season ending, career ending injury, and miss out on all that guaranteed money and all that money that they're gonna make. I get that, yes. But if you look at the statistics, Devontae Adams did not have a down year last year, and he's still reporting. Stephon Gilmore had a down year. He's older and he's coming off a, a big quad injury. He has a lot to prove. And if I'm Bill Belichick, I'm not just going to hand him a, a nice big four-year contract worth $60 million or whatever just to give it to him. I'm not going to do it. I just don't think he he's earned it. He deserves it. But he still has stuff to prove because of the fact he's coming off that injury off a down season and he's 31 years old. Now, if you were Bill Belichick, would you rather pay Stefan Gilmore or JC Jackson that big contract money? I'm paying JC Jackson because he I think tied the lead league in interceptions last year. He's like five, six, seven years younger than him. He's homegrown. You know, he's got that, you know, that dirty attitude. Like I'm gonna go get obviously in the professional clean way, he has that dirty, I'm gonna go get it attitude. It's just kind of like the whole Malcolm Butler situation again. Just different player in terms of J.C. Jackson, not Malcolm Butler. Are you gonna pay the veteran guy and let your homegrown talent walk away? Except this time, you already have that veteran guy in Gilmore, and you're not going out to sign Gilmore from another team. I just I don't think Bill Belichick is gonna. He has a lot of players to give guaranteed money to, and. A lot of them are relatively in the prime of their career. Matthew Judon, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, just to name a few. And I think J.C. Jackson is going to be the next guy that gets paid, and I hope he does. But obviously, Bill Belichick doesn't usually do it that way. He'd rather get the veteran for a discount. But from the looks of it, uh, Stephon Gilmore will not be playing for a discount or does not want to play for a discount. So this is something that we're going to have to uh, pay attention to obviously he didn't report today on Monday we'll have to wait and see if he reports any of the following days for mandatory minicamp I honestly thought he was gonna report clearly he didn't so this is something that we're gonna have to pay attention to And in addition of paying attention to things there are still some good big-name free agents out there on the market that could help not just the Patriots but other teams in general but obviously we're going to talk about how these potential free agents could help the Patriots and I think all of them have an argument to be made in order to help the Patriots. So what is there? One, two, three, four, five players, all different positions that could help the Patriots in their own respective manner. Obviously with mini camp coming up, you're going to get a finer look at the players you brought in the players you've already had injuries popping up. You know, you're going to take another look at that financial, uh, that finance book with the salary caps and all that. So, there could be moves to make especially come preseason trading for players trading away players waving players all that fun stuff but the first player i want to talk about is Mitchell Swartz offensive tackle the end of the uh, last season after the super bowl or soon after in the beginning of the off season, the chiefs released him obviously due to age and probably due to money because they have salary cap issues as well and that offensive line just wasn't great but he was kind of injured so Not really his fault, but anyways. The Patriots had some clear depth issues at the tackle position in OTAs and could consider adding the veteran Swartz, who is coming off a back injury, the first major injury of his career. The experienced right tackle would add another level of stability on the edges of the offense. Morgan Moses is another option who had a solid five years with the Jets playing right tackle. He's still just 30. Now, I don't know if they mean Swartz or Moses. I think Swartz is like 32 uh mitchell i spelled that wrong mitchell swartz i think he's like 32 yeah he's 32 swartz is 32 moses is 30 and this article is from patriots.com uh mike dusalt who is a patriots.com writer this is from june 8th and he listed these five names and i'm just reading this article right here i agree with him I think bringing in Mitchell Swartz would not be a terrible idea. Your offensive line has been shaky, or was shaky last year, and it was was okay the year before that, last year with Brady. I don't know how I feel about it this year. I really don't, and I think bringing in Swartz, who's a nice veteran, could really solidify that. Swartz has been very exceptional in years past, especially for the Chiefs. I think this is a good move to bring him in. It takes a lot of stress off of Cam Newton, the more than likely going to be starting quarterback. Mac Jones, if he eventually becomes a quarterback or whoever's back there, it would solidify that right side. Um, well, I can't think of his name? Left tackle. First round pick. Why well, can't I think of his name? Oh, my God. This is going to bother the crap out of me. Um, Isaiah Wynn. There we go. Isaiah Wynn. He's not going to be too pressured because they could just flip-flop maybe and kind of take a little bit off him that way. So, very interesting. I can't see Swartz demanding that kind of money, especially coming off back injury. He's a uh, 32-year-old veteran. Give him like a couple years, maybe, or just a one-year deal and just improve it. I don't think he's going to demand playing time because of that back injury veteran status, but someone that could come in and definitely help, at least from a depth perspective. Next guy is Melvin Ingram, the defensive end formerly from the uh, San Diego and Los Angeles Chargers. The article says, the Patriots made some major moves along the front seven this offseason and now have deep ground that includes proven veterans and promising young stars. But Ingram is the kind of player you can't ignore. He played just seven games in 2020 due to a knee injury, but should injuries strike the edges of the Patriots' defense, Ingram could be a nice late addition. It wouldn't be the first time Bill Belichick took a chance on a charger many thought was done. Justin Houston is another free agent with similar name recognition. I love Melvin Ingram, another player that could be potentially added to this roster to help give us depth. D-line front seven depth is important. It's so major in the NFL. It helps solidify or stop the opponent's run game, helps slow down the passing game, make the quarterback pres- uh, pressured, stressed, all that. Melvin Ingram has been all pro, pro bowl. Uh, he was a captain for the Chargers for a long, long time. He's a veteran. I think he still has a lot to give, although he's coming off an injury. But that kind of bodes well in your favor, where the injury could kind of help bring the price down. He has something to prove. And he's going to give it his all because he's going to want to get one more contract, you know, the following season. So I I just don't think you can't, you can't have enough depth on the front seven, on the D-line. And I really think, along with Matthew Judon, Dietrich Wise, you got High Tower back. Chase Winowich. throwing him. Oh, and you also have um, Christian Barmore that you just drafted. I just don't think this is a bad pickup. Veteran guy doesn't work out. Just release him or trade him or whatever. I really think that bringing him in would really, really make your defense an imposing, an imposing force. Next one, I don't really agree with. But I'll read it anyways. Duke Johnson, the running back, still just 28. Johnson has experience with some of New England's offense after playing under Bill O'Brien for two seasons uh, down in Houston. The Patriots have had just two running backs fully participating in OTAs and look forward to Tyler Gaffney to help out. Johnson could offer a bit more potential, especially if another injury befalls the group. He's a pretty well-balanced back. Duke Johnson is a, I don't want to say poor man's, because he's very good in his own right. But kind of a knockoff James White. Similar style, third down passing guy. And I just don't think that he has a good fit here because you still have Damian Harris, who's going to be the lead guy. Sonny Michelle could see on the move, but he's, you know, kind of just a, a running, you know, legitimate running back. James White is your third down guy. Tyler Gaffney, who they just mentioned. Also, you have JJ Taylor, who's a small, quick running back as well. I just don't really think Duke Johnson fits the mold. If anything, they need some big, beefy running back like a Legarrett Blunt type. But I think Damian Harris kind of fits that mold as well. I don't really see a lot of room on the roster for a Duke Johnson here unless injuries do pop up. So that's someone I kind of disagree with. But unless injuries do pop up, then I could see them going that route. Next one is Alshon Jeffrey, wide receiver. Jeffrey's coming off a down year in Philadelphia, but has the kind of size to help As an outside receiver, he's 31 and wouldn't take the top off the defense, but his length and experience could provide a different kind of boost to the receiving corps. After all these years, it's it's also hard to ignore Larry Fitzgerald as sometimes Hall of Famers just don't happen to find their way to Foxborough for August. So Larry Fitzgerald hasn't announced his retirement yet, but also hasn't announced that he's coming back to Arizona. Kind of expected that he will. But that's a story for you know the people down in Phoenix, Arizona to figure out in the Cardinals organization. But as we look at Alshon Jeffrey, you lose out on the Julio Jones sweepstakes, and obviously you'll take a very discounted version of that in terms of size, you know, outside ability in Alshon Jeffrey. And I'm not trying to compare the two. No, 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 no. But 31 years old, down year in Philadelphia last year, has something to prove obviously won the Super Bowl with the Eagles a few years ago against the Patriots. I think he could kind of help out. Cheap, wouldn't demand a lot of playing time, and just another body in there, right? Another big body, go up, get some balls, give you some depth because wide receiver depth is also crucially important because you lose one guy, and the whole wide receiver room is just in shambles. I I really think this is someone that you could take a good swing on you know, you didn't really, I mean, you did improve with um, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, but throwing Alshon Jeffrey in there, I just don't think it it hurts. I don't think it hurts. Low risk, high reward situation here, especially with Julian Edelman now retired. You didn't get Julio Jones, and you didn't really make any other moves in terms of bringing in wide receivers. And the last player that uh, Mike Dusault talks about is cornerback Dre Kirkpatrick. The former 2012 first-round pick out of Alabama reportedly visited the Patriots recently, and it would be a move that isn't hard to fathom. Kirkpatrick spent last season with Cardinals starting 11 games and has the man coverage skills necessary to fit into New England's scheme. Richard Sherman isn't the same fit, but is a big free agent name to monitor regardless. I think bringing in another cornerback period would be very beneficial, especially with this whole situation with Stephon Gilmore and jc jackson you know his contract is coming up well actually he's on he signed that you know second round 10 bullshit tender but you lost jason mccordy to the the dolphins yeah the dolphins so you still have a solid secondary but bringing in another veteran just like i said just puts you over the top it gives you depth cuz secondary depth i i feel like i said this for all like you know wide receiver defensive end uh defensive line whatever secondary depth is so important especially in such a high volume passing game that we see in the nfl in 2021 i think whether it's drake kirkpatrick or richard sermon would be very helpful in terms of locking down opponents wide receivers depth experience you know mentorship and the like i think cornerback is something that the patriots should address and i also during draft season i did make an argument for them to go get one of the two young draftees out there in patrick sertain jc horn but those guys were off the board and the patriots did not go in that direction obviously jason mccourty isn't a big name loss but a loss nonetheless and i just feel like you should replace that because you don't really have a lot of young depth at cornerback at the moment so might as well fill it with a gap filler in draker patrick richard sherman or another good veteran cornerback until you can kind of figure that position out later down the road. But that those are just a few names uh, for veteran players to look out for, not just with the Patriots, but just across the NFL in general because these players could make significant impacts across the league for whichever team signs them. Hopefully the Patriots can kind of take a gamble on at least one of them because no matter who they sign besides Duke Johnson, I really think could have a good little impact that would help the team in a certain way. Obviously each of them has their own has their own niche with the team or has their own way to help out, right? Whether it's mentorship, whether it's, you know, being an actual role player or just someone for depth. But that's going to be my Patriots discussion for the day. I really hope you enjoyed that segment. Obviously with the Patriots now in mandatory minicamp, news and such are going to pop up, but hopefully nothing negative does happen in terms of the New England Patriots. But definitely such things to keep an eye on, as mini camps roll through. The second discussion that I want to have today, which is something I never thought I would talk about, is Team USA. Yeah. What? So, obviously, the 2020 Summer Olympics are approaching fast. They are next month. And Yes, it's 2020, but obviously, I mean, 2021, but obviously with COVID last year, the 2020 Olympics were pushed to 2021, and they're still kind of on the fence with all the COVID such. But as of now, the 2020 Summer Olympics are scheduled for Tokyo later next month, and baseball will be featured at the 2020 Summer Olympics for the first time since 2008 Summer Olympics. Crazy, super exciting, you know, I, the WBC was special. It was fascinating. Um, it was it, a yeah, 2017 Adam Jones, Eric Hosmer, John Carlos, Stan. Oh, what a squad. What a squad. But we do have the 2021, I, I guess, I don't know, however you want to call it 2021 or 2020 it doesn't really matter. And the, uh, team USA baseball team is starting to formulate and starting to look solid it, it kind of is. And I don't want to read the whole article written by Jacob Kamaker. I hope that's how you say it from Sportingnews.com. I just kind of want to go over the roster really, because I don't really care about the rest of the article, but there are a couple names on the U S baseball roster to keep an eye out. And one is infielder, Tristan Cassis, double a player for your Boston Red Sox and outfielder, Jaron Duran member of your AAA Worcester I I mean guess member of the uh, AAA Red Sox you know what I'm trying to say da, da, da. <laughs> so before I go into them let me give you this to fill in team USA's roster is comprised of minor star minor leaguers and veteran free agents and I kind of like that because no team is going to give up their best player like uh, let's see the Red Sox. They're not going to give up Alexander Bogarts to go play for Aruba or I, I should say the Netherlands. Um, who else? I mean, Yankees aren't going to give up John Stanton to go play for team USA. You know, they're not going to give up Aaron judge either. Mike Trout, he's not going to play in the Olympics. So the angels won't let that happen, but the, uh, you know, the Red Sox and other teams as well are allowing their minor league players to go play for experience uh, face different pitchers uh, to make a name for themselves right and you know the Dodgers the Reds the Athletics the Marlins the Red Sox are just among a few teams to have done that for their prospects and also like I said veteran free agents are also included in this as we see Homer Bailey Brandon Dixon Edwin Jackson Mark Riz- Riz- oh my god I knew how to say it years ago Repsinski. I know he used to play for the Blue Jays, I think David Robertson, <laughs> Matt Kemp, even Todd Frazier. So these are veteran guys going to be on this team as well. Now, is this the best route for team USA to go on is to bring in veteran guys and prospects? Do you just go with prospects? Do you just go with veterans? It's kind of a hard thing to do. And I, I like this mold that they have I and mean, they have more prospects and they do have veterans. But I think they have a good mold between the two because, you know, the young guys can learn from the old guys. The old guys can, you know, get that jolt from the young guys and, and such. I'm, I'm really excited for it. Now, completely different because baseball is not going to take a pause in the middle of the season to let the Olympics play out. Unlike you see in hockey, every four years they take an Olympic break. It's like a three-week break or whatever. And the stars from those teams will go play for the respective country, USA, Canada, Russia, wherever. And stars, like I said, will go play for their national team, take that three week Olympic break. And then, you know, after the Olympics are done, they'll come back and resume the season at whatever point it is. I think it's around the all star break. But baseball's not doing that. And I don't mind that. I really don't. Because I don't think baseball can afford to take like a three week Olympic break like hockey can just because. Hockey, 82 games, you know, the physicality, the hitting, the, the fights and all, all that, you know, the low-scoring games. I just don't think they're able to – I mean, hockey's able to, but baseball is not because of the long, strenuous season. Now you're asking the season to get pushed back three more weeks if you take the Olympic break. So I like the way that they're going is let the veteran free agents make a name for themselves, hopefully get one more chance with a, a big league team. Let the young guys get the experience in the Olympics, you know, get the at-bats, the fielding time, and show out for, you know, their teams, right? And got to put the chapstick on, you know. Always got to put chapstick on. I like it. I like it. I'm very excited to see not only baseball back in the Olympics, but just how this mix of veterans and prospects work out. Obviously, I'm very excited to see Tristan Cassis and Jaron Duran making the roster and being a part of, of Team USA I'll be looking forward to it immensely Jaron Duran is obviously a player that is being very hyped up for the Red Sox their best prospect in their farm system and more than likely going to be on the roster by the end of the year in some capacity Tristan Cassis he's in double-a right now probably won't see him till next year and unlike Duran where there is arguably a spot open in the outfield there's really no um, availability for Tristan Cassis right now because Devers is at third Dallback is at first. And I know Cassis can play a little bit of second base. But, you know, a lot of fingers are pointing to Jeter Downs being the second baseman of the future. So that's gonna kind of put your team in a little bit of a, you know, kind of a tongue twister. Like, you know, do you move on from, you know, Devers, Dallback, or Jeter Downs for Tristan Cassis? Do you move on from Tristan Cassis? Like, this is obviously a conversation and a discussion to have for another day. But I'm going to be really interested to, to see Tristan Cassis play because there is a lot of hype around him. And before this year, Tristan Cassis was the Red Sox's best prospect. And then, you know, before that, it was Bobby Dahlback. Before that, it was Michael Chavis. So Jaron Durant obviously kind of taking that mantle. And Tristan Cassis has some stuff to prove in himself. What's What are the Red Sox going to do when Cassis is ready more you know full time probably not until 2023 you know do you keep JD Martinez at that point is he still your DH do you move Devers to the DH and have Cassis play third because Devers is is a mess he's a mess in the field so some questions to be had in terms of Tristan Cassis but I'm very very excited to see him play here in the um the Olympics and for Jaron Duran I mean I would say there's an outfield spot available available for him now. I was a big proponent of the Red Sox going out and getting an outfielder, and I'm still a proponent of them getting an outfielder. Veteran bat, someone that can kind of, you know, be a platoon guy, pinch hit guy with some speed. A lot of people are pointing to Jaren Durant going to be that guy, but obviously he has a lot to prove being a youngster. But Alex Verdugo, very versatile in the outfield, can play any of the three. Kike Hernandez has been playing a lot of center field, but theoretically can play anywhere. And then who's your third guy? Right now it's Hunter Renfro who's been playing very okay. But I would not I would not be against Jaron Durant going to center field and then moving Kike Hernandez to second base because that second base position, you know, has been played by Marvin Gonzalez, who's been struggling, Christian Arroyo, who's been okay, and Kike Hernandez himself has been kind of struggling. So when Jaron Duran does finally come and arrive to the Boston Red Sox, I think his his story will be a little bit easier to tell than Tristan Cassis. But nonetheless, like I've been saying, I'm really, really excited for both of them to finally get their time to shine. And I'm super excited in terms of uh, to make this sports card related because Merv's Boston Sports Talk is a segue in a prelude to Merv's Card Town and Sports Shop, which will be opening up very soon. More details to come as I get them. But I'm very invested in Jaron Duran. A lot of people are starting to pick up on his hype, being the best prospect in the Red Sox organization, playing very well on every level that he's played at during the minor leagues. Tristan Cassis, people haven't really, you know, discovered the name yet. I'm starting to get invested in on him. So it's only a matter of time. Sports cards, young guys, you gotta have you gotta jump on them when they're in the minor leagues. So they're Bowman first. And I, you know, I, I jumped the gun and I'm kind of getting invested in both of them. So I'm very invested in them playing in the Olympics because I need them to ball out against international competition. So the price of their cards go up. It's all business at the end of the day, right? So that is my team USA 2020 slash 2021 summer Olympics discussion. Did not think I was going to be having this, but here we are. We're having it. And it was a, a good one, nonetheless, because it's baseball, but it's from a different angle. And quite frankly, it was quite enjoyable. I guess just to, you know, bring this conversation full circle, I will go over the entirety of the Team USA roster. And um, it's interesting. It's interesting. So let me just go over it. We have catchers, Tim Federowitz, the AAA catcher for the Dodgers. Mark Kolo Svari, the Double A catcher for the Reds, and Matt Weiders, who is a, currently a veteran free agent. Um, infielders: Nick Allen, the, the Athletics Triple A; Eddie Alvarez, Marlins Triple A; Tristan Cassis Red Sox Double A; Logan Forsythe, who's actually a veteran himself, but currently with the Brewers in their Triple A system; Todd Frazier, free veteran free agent; Luke Williams, a uh, Phillies Triple A player. Outfielders, Jaron Duran, Red Sox, Triple-A. Eric, Philia, Mariners, Triple-A. John Jay, Angels, Triple-A, who's also a veteran himself. Matt Kemp, veteran, free agent. Um, Left-handed pitchers. Oh, so they have it broken up into left-handed pitchers and right-handed pitchers. Interesting. Clayton Andrews, Brewers, Double-A. Anthony Goose, Indians, Triple-A. Trevor Lane, Yankees, Triple-A. Matthew Libertor, Cardinals, Triple-A, veteran. Drew Parrish, Royals, A+. So, you know, they're high A team. Mark Rasimski, free agent, uh, veteran free agent. Right-handed pitcher, Homer Bailey, free agent, Brandon Dickers uh, Dixon, free agent, Edwin Jackson, free agent, DJ Johnson, Indians, Triple A. David Robertson, free agent, uh, Joe Ryans, Ray, Triple A, James Sherfy Giants, Triple A, Simon Woods, Richardson, Simon Woods, Richardson, Blue Jays, double A. Holy smokes, that was a lot. I apologize. Kim's friends have just arrived here for movie night, and they're being a little bit of uh, a little rambunctious right now. So I might have to wrap this episode up sooner than I expected. But before I do so, let's just check in on the Red Sox really quickly. Obviously a power baseball segment. They're playing the Blue Jays tonight at 710, right? Yeah. Unless the game gets canceled due to inclement weather, which it very may well be so far. Red Sox haven't fared well against the Blue Jays. They won the first game on Friday 6-5 to with a walk-off. Lost Saturday 7-2. Lost yesterday 18-4. Holy shit. And we'll just have to wait and see how today's game goes. Quick little two-game series in Atlanta starting tomorrow and Wednesday. And then off to Kansas City for three. Then to Tampa for three. And then home for the Yankees for a three-game series to round out the end of the month. Current standings right now does not look good for the Red Sox. They're currently three games out from the division lead with the Tampa Bay Rays. So That series against the Rays later this month is going to be critical and pivotal. But between now and then, they have to win the games to keep pace. Blue Jays, seven and a half games out in third place. And the Yankees are eight and a half games out. One game over 500. Boy, that team sucks. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. So I'm not going to really dive too much into baseball because I may have bored you with baseball nonetheless. Since Kim and her friends have now arrived in there, like I said, getting rambunctious, if you girls are listening, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Anyways, that's really all I have for today. Um, Nothing really to talk about in terms of the Bruins or the Celtics. Obviously, I did hear that the Celtics are very interested in Chauncey Billups being their next head coach and I think that would be a great fit once I get more information I feel like that's a conversation we could have maybe on Wednesday if there's a little bit more steam that picks up revolving that headline but that's really all I have today right now for Murph's Boston Sports Talk episode number uh what 63 yeah I almost lost track there but folks thank you so much for joining me on today's episode I really appreciate it with a little stefan gilmore rant and then obviously my uh sellout of team usa with jaron duran and tristan cassis but between now and next episode on hump day i mean wednesday duh i really hope that you enjoyed this episode i hope you download listen and enjoy and if you're watching on youtube please smash the like button if you enjoyed today's episode subscribe if you're new to the channel or haven't considered subscribing yet, and also leave your thoughts and comments down below in the comment section. If you are watching this on audio-only platforms, please reach out to me on any social media platform at Murphs underscore boston st, where the st stands for sports talk, and I really hope to have a conversation, a discussion, an argument, debate, whatever it may be with you over there, or in the comment section down below. The weather's is supposed to be shitty here in New England the next couple of days, so hopefully you can stay dry, stay warm, and somewhat enjoy the tail end of the spring season as we get closer and closer to the summer. Make sure you're outside enjoying those long, long days because once the summer solstice hits, the days are only going to get shorter. So get outside, enjoy the weather, enjoy well, pff, when the sun and the rain, uh, the sunshine is blooming and it's nice and warm, and there's no damn rain try to enjoy the weather, but be outside as much as possible. Fresh air is good for you. Now that COVID is kind of a thing of the past, we have to get outside and enjoy mother nature. But between now and next episode, which is on hump day, I do this every time. I mean, Wednesday, I hope that I see you for the next one. But between now and then, you know that I love you and you know that I will always see you.